0: piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrow.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands
1: Uh, so it's just me solo, and
2: now time for Sandy. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake
1: and Aaron's spilling the tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR.
2: Morning, Sandy. How are you?
3: Hey, good morning, Blake. How you doing?
2: Good. Aaron is off today.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Nice. Doing some family stuff. Um, Yeah. Missed you yesterday. How was your show yesterday?
3: it was good. It was very good. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Cool. We were uh, down at Subway uh for their yeah. 30th anniversary.
3: 1991. I can't believe uh, it.
2: On, on August 30th, 1991, they uh, the first Subway opened in West Shore Center.
3: Pretty wild. Wow. Now there's yeah.
2: seven around the island, so.
3: That's amazing. I can believe Um we're actually going to be talking about a little situation with Red Bay Primary. Now you missed yesterday's topic, which was what kind was of it? interesting. Uh, the Minister of Tourism and Transport made a little, I feel like it was just a poor choice of words. You know, he used this term scare tactic and um, the Compass sort of jumped on it. Then CNS jumped on it afterwards. And then uh, since the show, because he came on the show and kind of explained it and everything. But since then, it continues to trend to the point where the Premier had to issue a statement Oh, and really? It's like, oh my God, people are just blowing this out of proportion at a very different level. But we're going to talk about the premier statement. Um, and also. What did he say, in, uh, essentially? But you know what? It was just a poor choice of words. Like, it wasn't the government's intent to do that. Um, they were, they're obviously looking towards uh, eventually reopening. And mm-hmm. as they get closer to that, yes, they will have to phase out um, that program. And of course, the opposition also jumped on it and they issued a statement. So we're going to kind of rehash it again today. I thought we were done um, yesterday, but obviously not.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see so, that. I can see how people might feel that way. And, and again, I can see it, it uh, you know, politicians, if for you know lack of a better word, speak a lot, talk a lot, like you and yeah. I do. Occasionally we yeah. you say the wrong word, wrong choice of words, I get it. Yeah. Uh, he's able to make a mistake now. Wh- what was the, what was the real intent behind that? I guess.
3: Um, to so just, were, they,
2: were they really trying to uh, scare people, or was that their intention? To
3: I think their intent was to motivate people. That would have been a better mm-hmm. word. Yeah. Um, to realize that if they're on this program, they need to start taking steps. prepare themselves for the reopening so that it's not um a last minute situation so registering with works you know start looking at job opportunities uh probably even deciding if they want to stay in tourism you know because there may be some people now who've had a change of heart (laughs) regarding if they were in that industry um you know their desire to stay in that industry yeah so um yeah so there's that Um, and then we're going to be talking about red bay primary. I noticed that uh, I was up late last night and I think I confused my headlines or what was actually in the story. So I said prospect primary, um, has had a little change with the scheduling and it turns out that it's actually, um, red bay primary. So I'm going to just fix that this morning. Um, uh, they have changed, um, they have changed their drop-off procedure. Okay. So parents are not happy because they can't drop off before 7:30 in the morning. So they've locked the gate and they're not able to drop off before that. And parents are saying that um it is, you know, causing a little bit of um an issue for them in terms of their ability to be able to get to their work on time, mm-hmm. their various jobs. So it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, so we're gonna discuss that this morning on the program as well.
2: Were there people that were just dropping kids off a little too early and that's why they decided to make
1: a change?
3: I th- think that's exactly what was happening. Mm. But parents are saying, listen, 7.10, 7.15, is that really too early sort of thing? Oh, it is if nobody's there. Yes, and I think what was happening is the school was accommodating parents yeah. by having teachers there. And that's now where um, things have changed. Yeah. So it's, it's Red Bay situation. Primary. I always mix up Red Bay and um, Prospect Primary for some reason, but it's actually Red Bay Primary. It's kind of
2: like uh, the airport changing their drop-off procedure. Oh now, now, you, you know, now you can't go around and uh, drop people off like you used to be able to. It's kind of weird. Have you talked about yeah, that? Yeah,
3: I, I haven't looked at the actual schematics of their little map that they've put mm-hmm. out there. I feel like my brain needs to be optimal to even digest why this is happening. (laughs) So um, I haven't really done that as yet, but yes, I am. uh, That's another topic that we're going to get to at some point. Um,
2: And and there's, there's a bit of an issue because there are businesses that uh, that feed off of that, um, that road that goes around Owen Roberts. Like, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a rental car place. um, And then there's also the gun club, which is back down, uh, down that road. And so you can't you can't get to that uh, anymore, mm, which is uh, yeah. which is presenting a problem for a lot of people. It's also that the fire service has their uh, training uh, facility down that road as well. Um, so th- I think that's presenting a, a few issues for for some of those businesses back there.
3: Yes, yeah, and I, I imagine they're not going to be particularly happy. Um, yeah, but uh, we'll see. You know what happens? Um, maybe they'll rethink it. I don't know. What yeah. I, I, I'm not understanding, and to be honest, I haven't really looked at what they said. Is the reasoning for it?
2: Yeah, but... I don't know the answer to that either, and I haven't been over to, to see it. But I, I think you you take a turn th- in take a right into what used to be um, short term parking. So about halfway oh. about halfway down the oval, uh, you take a right into uh, now what used to be short term parking, and then yeah. that that cuts you over to where. Kind of where you can drop people, so you're not really pulling up to the curbside anymore, or especially right. not, especially not able to pick people up. And when they come out of um, like baggage claim area, you can't do that anymore.
3: Mm, so where are people going to go with their bags?
2: Good question. You should look into it.
3: Yes, we will. We will do. <laughs> I will add it to the list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sandy. Oh,
3: thank you so, so much. Tomorrow, I appreciate right now it.
2: on uh, Facebook and YouTube, and we'll see you tomorrow.
3: All right. Have a good one. All right. Yeah, folks, there's so much going on some days. It's just like mind-boggling. Good morning to everybody. 100 people already online. Ms. Joy. Maria, how are you? Grace, so good to see you. Ms. Nancy is here. Um, Selena. Thank you. Louie, good morning. Anne-Marie, how are you doing? Ervalyn. Lorita how are things? I had to restart my computer yesterday. Every once in a while, you should restart your computer, by the way. Uh, but let me just see here. Yeah, it was kind of doing some weird stuff. So I thought, you know what, let me restart it. That seems to fix um, a lot of things. Uh um let me see what's going on why do people send me these long things uh, these long emails uh okay Uh-huh. I'm reading this email trying to see what's the point. Because one of those emails that a lawyer wrote, child. So, you know, they go on and on and on. Uh <sighs> hmm Okay. All right. Oh, good. Wonderful. Uh, um. Okay. Let me assign this to Renee. Because obviously this is not something I can do right now. Um. Mm-hmm. Good morning, good morning, good morning, according to blah blah blah.
1: blah.
3: Mm-mm. Um Okay. All right, uh, yikes. All right, folks, give me a second. Um, mm-hmm. Did I just see my little, I haven't seen my gookie in a while. I felt like that was just him. Um, All right. Okay, folks, my apologies. This is what happens. Stuff, listen, news never stops. Stuff comes in as, as you're, just as you're breathing. Uh, Loretta, good morning. Good morning, Richard. Uh, So yes, we fixed the story. It is Red Bay Primary. Um, Why do I always confuse Red Bay Primary and Prospect Primary? I don't know why. Red Bay Primary. Um, Prospect Primary is the one that's by the the roundabout. And you see, I always think that that one for some reason is Red Bay Primary. In my head, I think I have them confused as well.
1: Hmm.
3: Oh, well, it's not. All right, so we're gonna talk about that here in a second. Uh, Let me see. Um,
1: ooh.
3: Ah. <clears throat> okay. So news coming in. Morning Richard. Daisy, Buenos dias. Suzette. How are you? Serena, thank you for tuning in. Any updates on the hit and run last night? Well, Serena, thank you for reminding me. Um, Richard said he's missing his wife who's all the way in Italy right now. There were a number of accidents last night. Can y'all please tell me what on earth was going on? Literally, there were four accidents last night, like boom, 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 boom. Like what? No, three. And then one incident in West Bay, which I think we need to talk about, but I don't have a whole lot of details on um you know what that incident actually was. Like it's a little bit weird. Um yeah, so here's the thing. The first accident was at um Marina Drive, the junction, I think, of Marina Drive. That was okay, I think. It was nothing and major. Um,
1: then, the next
3: thing I know, I heard There's another accident by um, Poindexter and on the mean road, and then I thought, okay, then. Okay, so then after that, there was another one, um, which was like a hit and run, I'm understanding, in, in uh, mm-hmm. Primary. There was another one um, that was a hit and run in Georgetown, like close to um, Royal Bank and town. Oh my gosh. I'm just like what is going on. So, we haven't heard a whole
1: lot um We haven't heard a whole lot about,
3: you know, what what that situation is. So, I I can't say much except that I have heard that there was a hit and run. A lady got hit, and I heard that she was, you know, obviously admitted to the hospital, and that her condition was considered pretty serious. Um, So, not good. Not good. Uh, We'll see. I'm I'm sure that the police will... um, be giving us some additional information uh in relation to that. And um we'll see we'll see what that's about. But yeah, I mean my understanding is she is actually in really bad condition. Let me just see what one of my sources said last night. Um so I was getting all sorts of messages last night. It was like crazy. So this is what someone said. Um someone ran over a Jamaican lady in the area of Subway in town. She's been transported to the HSA as an and is in bad shape. She was bleeding from her mouth, ear, and head, and I can only pray that she'll make it. Hit and run. Let's pray for her. So that was uh, the information that we received. And again, it was just really weird because when I first got that, I thought, "Hold on a second, was that um, hit and run like related to something else? Like I was trying to figure out. And then the one with the buses. Did you guys see that one? Let me show you the video footage of that because that one was actually quite serious as well. Um, I thought to myself, wow, what the heck is going on here? So I'm going to show you guys that one. That one did not look good. And I don't know the condition of, I mean, it looks like a bus and some sort of a truck or something collided and the bus looked pretty mashed up, I must say. So I was sitting there looking at the video footage. I had to watch it a couple of times thinking, oh, wow, that, that does not, um, you know, that does not look good at all. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. Um, so let me see here, are good folks.
1: Um,
3: let me see. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parents. Um, right. Let me sh- let me show you the accident video first. Because so I'm, I'm getting kind of mixed um, reviews from parents. I do have a few parents that are obviously um, very, very upset about the uh, the situation with the um, with the school drop-off times. And then there's some parents who are like, you know what, they don't mind. I guess because they probably have more flexible time as it relates to uh, their work schedule. And I think that this is um, all the difference today. Oh, my apologies. People are asking me where where I'm at because they can't find the live stream. Hold on one second because I know exactly what's gonna happen here. Okay, give me one second, folks, one second. Give me one second. All right, folks. Um, Sorry about that. I forgot to send out to my WhatsApp group this morning um, the reminder, the show reminder. And um, a lot of people rely on that because for some reason, someone just said that they didn't get the pop-up on their phones, uh, but we were actually live. Sometimes Facebook is um, very, very strange in terms of how it does its notifications so, um, you know, I obviously subscribe to the page and um I do, um, you know, get, I think most of the pop-ups. So whenever we go live, I do see it coming up uh, on my phone as a notification. But a lot of times people say that they don't and it's just like super weird. So you got to make sure that you both like and follow the page because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there is a difference. And I think one day... Um, Facebook might have to change this algorithm or, um, you know, it's not really an algorithm, but it's a it's a process of how you interact with public pages. So they have this whole thing where you can like a page and then you can also follow a page. And most people have no clue what the difference is between liking and following a page. So it's a little bit confusing, I feel like, for a lot of people. Um, but in addition to that, It's also super weird because you can only follow so many pages, which a lot of people don't realize, like there's a maximum number of pages that you can follow. And then um, once you exceed that, you either have to unfollow other people or other pages in order to follow. It's just super weird. And then there's only so many, um, I think, that you can follow and see their stuff first. I think that's where the limitation is. So when you follow a page, you know that you have the option to um, actually decide if you want to see it first or not. Did you guys know any of that stuff? It's kind of one of those things where I feel like a lot of people don't even know that this is how Facebook works. Maybe we'll spend some time on it a little bit later on. I'll show you guys exactly how it works. So Candy, good morning. Dawn, good to see you. So yeah, a lot of people, and I noticed that the numbers just went up because people are like, I couldn't find you. Um. So thanks for letting me know that because, of course, uh, occasionally I forget to send out the little notification in my WhatsApp group. And then um, if they don't know, they don't know. So all of a sudden, our numbers went up right away, like by at least 20-something people. People were waiting like, where is she? When somebody just said, where are you? I was thinking, did I miss an appointment? And then they went on to say, not in Facebook today. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be. Morning, Alice. Um... Oh gosh, Don is having his second cup of, are you drinking coffee out of that mug? Whoa. Yes. Uh, Miranda says government needs to start charging taxes on land and stop depending on permit revenue. Uh, They don't have enough land and property to pay enough. Mm. Um, That's an interesting suggestion, Miranda. And when you say property tax, are you talking about Because there's obviously a dutable, so there's a property tax when you sell property, but um, or you purchase property. It's the purchaser who pays it. Are you saying that that should happen every year? Like you'd like to see a property tax on an annual basis? That should be very interesting. I'll tell you why here in a second. So um, let's have a look, folks, at this accident yesterday, uh, last night with the bus. So the bus ran right into a dump truck. Is that not insane? And then someone sent me another one as well, where the people, I think it was the people in that one that were like, what on earth? Like you're trying to work your mind around, how did this accident happen? Like, whoa, really? It is a little bit crazy. Um. So, yes, that, that, that happened. I mean, I, I was like looking at this going, whoa, a public bus? I'm guessing the driver must be injured, seriously. Because I don't see how he couldn't be. Look at that. It rammed right into the... Little pickup. Um, That's not a pickup truck. That's a, what do you call those trucks? Um, That's like a hardcore workman's truck, right? How did did that happen? I don't even know. Morning, Carla. Morning, Wee Wee. James, Felicia, how are you guys doing? Serena says, poor woman. Yeah, the woman who got hit and run. I mean, my gosh, y'all need to slow down. I'm like, who's driving crazy at night through Georgetown. I mean, there would be no logical reason for you to be speeding and listen. At the end of the day, things happen, right? So you, you accidentally hit someone. It happens. Nobody ever wants to see it happen, but yes, it happens. You should stop. You know, it's never a good thing to run from the scene of an accident. Like I said, I suppose people might get scared. They don't know what to do. They're like, oh my gosh, I just hit someone. You know, it is a scary situation, but running from the scene of the accident doesn't help. And most people run because of something else. You know, they've been drinking or driving. They weren't supposed to be driving to begin with. So a lot of people have had their licenses taken from them and they still drive. And then the end result is uh, you feel like you have to run.
1: Huh. It's
3: unfortunate. I'm trying to get another angle here to this accident. Here we go. This is another one that someone sent
4: us. It's the boss. I hurry. A boss. The boss. who one. Jesus Lord, the bus! Oh, oh my God! No, 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 not the bus! Not the bus!
1: Oh my gosh She's crashed. I'm sure the person is not good.
4: No, 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 no. That's sad. That's sad. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, as you can see,
3: those persons were obviously in a state of shock. They were like, oh, my God, the bus. Yeah, like sometimes you see something, you're like, that's a bus? And, yeah, it didn't look good, to be honest. So um, I'm hoping that, that everybody in these accents are okay. Um, I don't know. But listen... One thing I want to mention, in case you guys haven't noticed, one of our corporate sponsors is a um, personal injury firm called Recover. I like their, their name. It's nice and simple. And honestly, folks, when you get in an accident, sometimes you are so stressed out and you have so much going on that you don't even know where to begin with insurance and what you should be doing. And, you know, sometimes, like, if you're passengers this, on this bus, who do you even sue? You know, um, it can get a little bit confusing uh, to start the process. So contact the good folks over at Recover because they are experts. They're, you know, attorneys. They're experts in personal injury, and they know exactly what you should be looking for, and in terms of compensation, they will guide that process for you. They'll take the headache off of your shoulder, folks. Um, And if you've ever been in an accident, you've ever been seriously injured, you know the hassle of trying to chase up everything from, you know, uh, doctor's appointments, physiotherapy, and all this stuff. And then on top of that, fighting with an insurance company who may or may not want to cover your, the extent of your injuries. Boy, I tell you what, insurance companies are something else. I had a friend recently who was telling me, Sandy, you need to take on these insurance companies. I said, why, what's going on? He had some property damage during Greece. And, um, you know, he's just like, I called insurance company and my deductible is like $20,000, So by the time I pay the deductible for the damage, because he had some outside damage, like his entire, I think, backyard, cabana, whatever was destroyed. But he's like, by the time I do the whole deductible out of the quote, I just get like $1,000 covered. And that's ridiculous for the amount of damage that I've had. And so he was wondering, what is the whole purpose of paying insurance? And I thought, well, this is where you need an expert, folks. So contact these folks. Um, they're going to be joining us on the program, talking about some of their services and giving you good advice about uh, personal injury. Because did you guys know this was recently announced on CMR? and we're the, I think we're the only ones who even bothered to carry the story. But the law has been changed that now allows you to consult an attorney um, without having to pay a retainer or anything up front. So you don't have to pay them any money. You can get a free consultation. And if they don't win, there's no fee. So they get their pay out of what you recover. And I think that that's or when you recover, I should say. And I think that that's really important because for that's more of the American model, to be honest. For too long, here in the Cayman Islands, you had to find money up front to pay an attorney. And a lot of times, you just do not have that money. And so now with that legal change, you know, um, this group of attorneys, Recover, have uh, offered their services to you all. And believe me when I tell you, just have them deal with it for you. It's such an incredible um, headache to have to deal with that yourself. So if you were on that bus last night and you do not know where to begin, folks, or you're in any kind of an accident, work-related, you're slip and fall, whatever, uh, reach out to them and they can certainly help you. Hi, Sue. Oh, it looks like Sue was waiting um, for the notification. So yes, it seems like it's not popping up for some people. Uh, Mr. Hero Blair is here. Good morning. He says it's hot in Florida. Oh my gosh, it is hot all over. I mean, it's hot in Cayman too. Really, really unbearable to be outside for any long period of time. And, you know, somebody was saying to me recently about the UK, you know, whenever they have a little heat wave, oh. People there be dying, passing out and all sorts of stuff. And I'm thinking, what's the temperature there? What kind of temperature are we talking about that's killing people? But I think what it is, is number one, they're really not used to the heat. And I do think that after a while you get a little bit acclimated to the heat. So you hardly ever hear of the heat killing people in the Caribbean. You know, although it could be a contributing factor. But I think what happens a lot of times is that we've gotten a little bit used to it. So our core internal temperature is used to the heat on the outside, but we also have air conditioning. Even if it's just a little window unit and a fan combined, we're able to try to starve off the heat a little bit, right? And I think a lot of places in the UK, because they're used to more moderate temperatures, they don't have this um, excessive heat to deal with. And excessive meaning like 90 plus degrees, so whenever the temperature increases for them, they're just like, whoa. And then all the poor little old people who have no AC in their homes start to die from the heat. Good morning, Vishnu. He's joining us from Guyana, thank you. So good to see you. Um, oh, Tracy's talking about bus drivers, child. Uh-uh. I must say that as a group, if I was thinking of a category of the worst drivers in Cayman, unfortunately, bus drivers fall into that category. They are horrible. Honest to God, they just drive like a bat out of hell. They don't care. They feel like they can push their way in and out of traffic. They stop very, very randomly. And um, based on that accident, you know, whatever you rear end someone, of the time, you're at fault for rear-ending them because you're supposed to be paying enough attention that even if they stop suddenly, there should be enough of a distance between you and the vehicles in front of you where you have to stop. Now, here's the reality. Nobody drives one car length, even in bumper-to-bumper traffic. That's why they call it bumper-to-bumper because you're literally bumper-to-bumper, right? Nobody hardly ever gives enough space that if something happens in front of you and there's a sudden stop, that you're able to um, avoid, you know, running into that person. Now, it's happened to me a couple times where I was a little bit too close. But thankfully, there was enough space between me and the other person that I was able to move to the left and literally out of the way. And you know what that prevents from happening as well? Is the person behind you who's also not paying attention. When you slam on your brakes, it's, it's a chain effect. The person in front of you slam on their brakes or they stop suddenly or whatever they didn't indicate, right? Now you're having to slam on your brakes. I always hit the brakes and move out of the way at the same time, <laughs> you know? And I don't know where I learned this maneuver. Um, in, in the States, I'm sure. Uh, my drive and my years of driving in the US. But um, yes, I, I literally just move out of the way. And then that prevents the person from behind me from running into me as well. Sometimes it works. And so far, knock on wood for me, you know, I've never um, had it happen in that way where I moved out and still got hit or anything like that. But yeah, people are just not paying attention. And, you know, when you get into an accident, folks, uh, you may think you're fine initially, and then things start to creep up in terms of whiplash or other injuries. So good morning, Peter. Look who we got here, my friend Peter Campbell. Peter and I go way back. I got to tell you an interesting story about how Peter and I met. Um, this was before I had even returned to the Cayman Islands. I was in university because you guys know I grew up in Tampa and I went straight from high school straight to university. That's what people do. That's what kids do in the States. And I was a USF student. And um, one day, one evening, I was at one of our, um, we had a Caribbean association and the Caribbean, you know, um, kids would get together and have like little social functions, whatever. But we didn't even meet at the Caribbean association um, event. We met at the Indian Association event, believe it or not. So um, I think I might have mentioned this to you guys. My first boyfriend was from Sri Lanka. And um, he, his parents lived in Port Charlotte, Florida, for a couple of years, whatever they had moved. So I think he did high school in Port Charlotte. And then he had some younger siblings. But Peter was dating a young lady from, I believe she was actually from India properly and not Sri Lanka. beautiful young lady. Oh, my gosh. she was gorgeous. And so um, that's how we met. Like, we were both at this association. I'm like, hmm, your accent sounds very interesting. Where are you from? And he's like, the Cayman Islands. I was like, whoa, I'm from the Cayman Islands too. It's like, what are the chances, right? So Peter and I uh, go a little bit back in terms of we met even before I returned um, to Cayman, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Yes, Alice, our prayers are going out to that lady in the hit and run. Um, Miss Alba. Good morning. Good morning, Sue. Um, She says that a bus almost ran into her daughter's car on Saturday by the post office. Yeah. They are reckless. Oh my gosh. They're crazy. Uh, Yeah. These insurance companies. Whoa. It's like you pay insurance for, you know, years and years and years and years. You hardly ever make a claim. And then all of a sudden, um, something happens and you have to make a claim and then boom, what, what you're expected to, um, you know, pay out. It's like crazy. So, uh, let's, let's talk, let's go back to the Red Bay primary, uh, situation. So listen, This is what some parents are saying about this, right? They're saying that, hey, um, they don't understand why they're having to... And it's it's not an exorbitant amount of time that we're talking about here. So parents have said to me they were able to drop off between 7.10 and 7.15. So really 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes before the um, the gates actually open now, okay? But apparently that 15 minutes is all the difference in the world to these parents because they are saying that because they now have to wait until 7.30 for the gates to open, they are stuck in this gridlock of morning traffic. Hmm... Um, so I was thinking about this and it's really for people who have to get to work at eight o'clock, they're saying that that's impossible for them to do because they have to wait there until seven thirty, then, you know, drop the kids off and then they end up, um, getting to work after eight because they're in the height of this gridlock traffic. And so I was thinking about it and I thought to myself, you know, um, uh, Maybe at some point we need to start thinking about doing staggered work hours. This comes back to that because it's just so incredibly uh, irritating. Morning, Erica. Hey, Holly, you're a USF graduate as well, girl. Yes, go USF Bulls. She's an alumni. Um, Caribbean Cultural Exchange. Listen, you know what was so interesting? Did Grace go to USF as well? When did, When was she there? I think she's younger for sure than me. but. Um, when I was at USF, they didn't have a football team yet. They got one several years after I left. So we only had, for like our major sports, a basketball team. But listen, we were still at that time the third largest public university in Florida. So I think it was UF first, FSU, and then USF. And it was the main campus is obviously in Tampa, and then they have some other campuses. Uh, around the place but yeah USF was a great experience for me I absolutely loved that campus did a lot of walking a lot of riding my bike child that's when you stayed slim but you know I grew up in Tampa so I really um, there was so much about Tampa growing up taking school field trips even before I got to USF that was really um, a lot of fun to me Tampa's it, it was a very very good city I haven't been there in a little while but And it has changed a lot, I must say, as well. Like different areas are now, like there's New Tampa, which wasn't there. When I was living in Tampa, New Tampa was nothing but bushes, (laughs) like literally. But yeah, Holly, I did not know that you were an alumni. Good. Lots of USF alumni all over the world. So, um, So yeah, so this school pickoff thing, I sympathize with the parents who are definitely having to deal with it. And then there's the flip side of this argument, which is people are saying that, listen, the teachers don't get paid extra to come in early. But then I think most teachers know that there's certain things that um, they have to do that, you know, they don't get paid. they, They can't be clock watchers. So, you know, last year, all teachers got this pay increase. They're now making, everybody, I think, across the board, teachers are making $5,000 a month. Regardless of their performance or how their children do or whatever, they're making $5,000 a month. All right. So you have to come in 50 minutes early. You know, they have different duties, I understand. Sometimes they're like a lunch watch um, duty. You know, sometimes they might stay after school until people can pick up. And it is very challenging as a parent to arrange all these things with work because sometimes your employers are not as flexible as they need to be. And this is where as such a small community, I think that we could do a better job of trying to accommodate our children because the children should be our first priority, right? Ensuring that they are where they need to be on time, um, you know, all that good stuff. But of course, there's a little bit of a difficulty. Um, oh there's a little bit of a difficulty with um working out the scheduling. So you've got morning pickup, and you've got everybody, every single school lets well, out at three o'clock. Some of the younger kids might have an after-school program. So parents just have a lot that they need to organize in terms of scheduling. So, um, is this a big deal? What do you guys think? So Tracy says that she knows people in East End. Her friend lives in East End. She has to leave her house by 5:35 to get his child to school and to be to work at 8 o'clock. That's crazy. Waking up a child at 5:35 in the morning. Well, before that, because you have to leave at 5:35. So what you're waking child up? The latest is probably 5 o'clock. If you're rushing out the door, that's so unfair. Those poor kids. I mean, come on. Uh, Holly says, my son's at Red Bay and it does affect my husband, but not me as I'm blessed to work from home. I have my son ride the bus most of the time, but even that can be tricky. It is challenging. My husband does the drop-offs in the morning. And yes, whenever he has to, um, if there's like, he has an early morning meeting, you know, he's been having some of those lately. Um, it has been challenging because normally he leaves out like right around seven o'clock. Um, you know, we only have the one kid. What happens when parents have more than one child? Like how many of you are dropping off at more than one primary school? And so I can sympathize without a doubt with what the parents are, um, where Tracy says, this is not true. The average teachers pays 25 per year and they have BAs. No, 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 no. They increased the, um, well, here in the Cayman Islands, I don't know about anybody else. Um, they increased the salary. I think it was last year, the year before. Remember that big announcement by Juliana that um, the base salary for teachers now is $5,000 a month. Tracy, has your friends been telling you they're not making that? Maybe they're trying not to pay some money back that they owe you or something. But no, they're making five grand a month. That's across the board. All teachers now make a base salary of five thousand dollars per month. So, um, this is what some individuals were saying. Let me just read you some of the comments. Uh. Okay. Somebody said these public drivers are reckless. So good morning, Sandy. I was listening about Red Bay primary and the drop-offs in the morning. What we used to do at BTPS, that's Bodentown Primary School, we, the PTA body, got some got someone in the morning to look after the kids before teachers get in at 7.30, pay them not a salary, but something monthly, and it worked out for us so they could try that. So yes, um, thank you for clarifying that because are making that suggestion because somebody else said to me that in fact, Bodentown primary and who else? Bodentown primary, um, Joanna Clark primary school, which was Savannah primary, I think, right? Theolin McCoy primary, which is Bodentown primary, East end primary and the Edna Moyle, which is a Northside primary. Now all do the same thing as of last year. So the last academic year, they had their drop-offs changed to 7.30 as well. So it looks like the other primary schools had done it. Now, this is where I'm a little bit confused. Why does an education do all of them at one time? Like, why is is it just up to the schools if they want to do it or not do it? Like, as a parent, I'd be very confused by that. And if you have more than one child going to different schools, how does this work? So, if I have a child that goes to one town primary, and say, um, is it what's what's the drop-off time for the high schools? Then, I mean, you you shouldn't have more than one child, I guess, going to different primary schools if you're in the same household. But could that ever happen? I don't know. But if you had to go to different schools, right? So one is like in primary school, one is in nursery, one is in high school. Your entire mornings are are spent running up and down where. <laughs> I mean it sounds a little bit crazy. Um so I like that idea of the PTA stepping up and trying to see if they could help because maybe there are some stay-at-home moms who don't mind or stay-at-home dads or whoever who don't mind helping out a little bit. I understand the liability of the situation with the schools and I'll tell you tell you why I'm saying this, right? The school has said the overarching concern is that they don't want children there too early in the morning. They're unsupervised. You know, stuff is happening and they don't want to be responsible for that. Let me tell you something that's very interesting about that. And I'm going to read some additional comments coming in on WhatsApp. They don't want to be responsible for that. But let me tell you what happened at a local high school. A young lady was raped, a student. She's about 13 or 14 years old. She was actually raped by a younger boy. I want y'all to listen to me very, very carefully in terms of how this happened. This is at... um, I don't want to get the school right wrong, so I'm not going to say the name of the school. But I'm pretty sure I know which, which school it is, right? So I was contacted by people involved in this, and this is what happened. They were in the like guidance counselor's office or somewhere with the office, um, secretary or manager or whatever. Right. And she decided to leave that space and go and run an errand on campus. So say, say she had to go to like the head office or whatever. So she left two underage children, a boy and a girl, unsupervised, no adult supervision by themselves. And the boy, although he's like 11 or 12, so he's a little bit younger than the girl, That doesn't mean anything, folks, is the point why I'm saying that. Raped and sexually assaulted the little girl. And God knows how many times he might have done something like this already. Because I'm thinking, what 11-year-old boy would force himself on anybody? And he seemed to have had some degree of experience and knowledge about how to conduct a rape, which is very, very disturbing. So this young lady was assaulted, obviously extremely traumatized. Uh, The last I spoke to people connected to the situation, she had not returned to school and the way in which it was being handled was beyond poor. The school principal hadn't been in touch. They basically sent her homework and say, Oh, you know, whenever you get around to doing your schoolwork, nobody was even checking up on her to say, how are you doing? You know, she's going to counseling. She's really, really struggling. Obviously, there's a criminal element of it as well. So I can see why the school might be saying, listen, parents, we don't want this responsibility, none at all. We don't want the responsibility of having to be responsible for your children outside of the normal school day. So you drop them off in the mornings. Your teachers are running around getting their classrooms ready. They're busy. They have stuff to do. Teachers are parents too. So what do they do about dropping off their kids in the morning for whatever school they go to? So I'm sure there's a level of complexity involved in trying to get this arranged from an administrative perspective. And the the teachers and the school administrators, I'm guessing, just don't want this headache. And so they don't want the headache and they're just like, forget it. We're not going to um, to do it. Right? And based on the documentation that I've seen, I'm going to pull up the email here that was sent out about this. It does seem to hinge around a safety concern. Okay. So they keep sending out these reminders. We've seen a number of them um, that have basically said we don't we don't want to do we're not going to be doing this. We change the times, et cetera, et cetera, because of safety concerns. And that that always has to be the overriding and overarching concern for anyone uh, dealing with parents or children. My apologies. So this is what was sent. I think this was sent again this morning. And this is, again, basically saying that, listen, because we're trying to ensure the safety and security of all of our children, please note the school gate will open at 730 a.m. The other thing that they've apparently changed is that the drop-off location is now at Mary Miller. Because that's where they will have, I guess, the morning, uh, what is it called, assembly. So they're not going to open the gate before 7.30. There will be no staff available to ensure supervision. And they're also asking parents not to leave their children in the parking lot as that creates a safety concern. And of course, I mean, I hope parents wouldn't just drop off the kids and leave them. But some people are saying, Sandy, that's exactly what parents are doing. And this is one of the reasons why the schools are having to really put down their foot. So this was a general email that went out to all parents at the school. At Red Bay Primary says that they're excited and anxiously awaiting the return of all students. So they talked about... um, The breakfast and snacks now being free. All students are entitled to free breakfast, snacks and lunch. So that is in place. And I'm glad to hear that because there's a little bit of an issue with Savannah primary. Uh, On Friday, messaging parents saying that, oh, yeah, they weren't going to be in a position to do that because of some, some mixed up story about outstanding school fees or something or another. Thankfully, um, CMR got that message and we were able to assist in intervening with that situation and getting it sorted out because we had a number of parents contacting us saying, what? So Savannah primary is the only school that's not going to have uh, lunch, free lunches and snacks and everybody else like it was getting confusing. Uniformity and policy would be good across the board. So again, the school gates will not be open for students before 7.30 to ensure the safety and security of all. Mm-hmm. If you arrive before 7.30, remain with your child until the gate is open. And they go on to talk about security and safety again. They say it more than once. So I don't know what if there was an incident at the schools that have led to this or if this is just... You know, the teacher's saying we don't want, and the school administrator's saying we don't want that responsibility. All right. So the gates are going to be closed before 7.30. There will be no staff to supervise them. And they're asking that you... um, that you not leave your children unsupervised. Oh, what a hot mess. Um, it says for the first week, parents with students in reception to year six will be allowed to accompany them to the classroom and to further carry their supplies. So you know the supply list is so long <laughs> that that doesn't surprise me that they need help carrying all those supplies. Um. So yeah, that's that it. That's what it is. Let me see some of your comments here. Ah, uh, Jennifer. Good morning. Jennifer says there are parents who dropped kids off at 6 30 a.m. and drove off. Girl, no, sir. I think that employers also need to consider school hours. Staggering school start times and school close would be helpful to gridlock. Private schools offer a certain number of students, over a certain number of students um, should be required to provide bus transport. We can tell the difference today, and the last school starting back. Yes. I mean, it impacts the traffic without a doubt. Anytime the schools are out, even if it's just like government schools have a professional day, child going to town is no big deal. And isn't the same number of parents driving to work. It's not like parents take off every single time that their kids are out of school, but it's that additional traffic that is created. And I guess once again, because of the time changes, with when you have to get your children there uh, that creates an issue. Mm -mm -mm. Someone else shared a similar opinion about the drop off times for schools. And they said the following, let me just see where this message is. I saw it come in this morning. They said traffic is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, Than leaving your kid at school from six from six a.m., which I see all the time when I leave at early, at least ten kids there already by six a.m. Most employers agree to flex hours. It's all about arranging and prioritizing and giving them notice. You'll be thirty minutes later and will work thirty minutes later. So um, this person is in the HR business in the HR profession. And they're saying that, um, you know, talk to your employers, they might be more flexible than you think. And I know some people forego their lunchtime already to try to accommodate uh, pickup times or they'll have a snack at their desk because they can't even afford to take a full lunch. I would hope that after um, COVID and most employers recognize how people can be incredibly flexible and still be as productive, right? especially with working from home. They have the technology available to work anywhere. I'm hoping that that will encourage employers, even as we continue to go back into the traditional work environment, to really recognize uh, folks that everybody doesn't have to come in at 8 o'clock. You know, a lot of these financial services and law firms could do with people who would be willing to work later in the day because they've got clients all over the world. Now, some of them, that was the justification for opening offices in the, in the London location in the UK, (coughs) sorry, time zone Asian offices and so on. Because that way they no longer require the Cayman team to be up all sorts of hours working, you know, late into the night. And when I used to work at Maples and Calder back in the day, that used to happen all the time before they opened up these foreign offices. Lawyers would be there eight, nine, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night, trying to have conference calls and responding to emails and servicing their clients halfway around the world. And it was really, really difficult. You know, they worked some incredible hours to try to accommodate those um, individuals. And I think now with the foreign offices being open, that has alleviated some of the need to do that. But I think flexibility is a good thing. So Miss Alice says, I can remember when my children attended John A. Cumber in West Bay, when traffic is what, traffic is what I'm back again. Wait a minute. When traffic is, uh, something's missing there. Is what? I'm back again. I had to leave uh, my early because of traffic. I'm guessing home. The security officer was always there. and have a classroom open for all children that came in early. But you see, that security officer is doing what? Is he actually in the classroom with them, supervising them? You don't want a male security officer in a classroom uh, by himself. Like, there's so many safeguarding issues I feel like this brings up from the perspective of parents and things that you should be thinking about and considering. And Tracy says, imagine all that we have to do to accommodate, to traffic and make it on time to work and we still don't even have tourists yet. Point taken. Uh, Josephine says, what schools, please, we need to know. Well, pretty much it seems like it's all the primary schools now. I don't know what time the higher schools uh, open up, but Um, Larry reminding us that Ida's still out there dumping rain on people. She's heading into New York. She made it that far? Gosh, what a storm she was. Uh, Carla, good morning. Tracy, don't even, uh, don't even, don't even ask. Uh, looks like Gigi and Carla are having a little private convo here. Gigi, uh, Carla says, "Gigi, hola," and Gigi says, "Carlucha, hola, preciosa." Oh, and then Carla says, "Gracias, igual." Um, Josephine says T, what is TMPS? Which, which primary school is that? T M. Oh, that's Bodentown. So that's the Thielen. What's it been renamed to Thielen McCoy primary school opens at seven 30 for a long time. Yeah. I think a lot of the schools have changed it. Tracy's asking about YMCA before and after school programs. I don't know what well, MCA does, I'm afraid to say. Um, I would love to hear more about their programs, but I'm guessing that there are very few that have morning care and Je- Jennifer has confirmed that. So they're contracted to provide extended after-school programs, not morning care. It's difficult to have anybody that's gonna offer um, a morning program. You know, I'm even thinking about when I went to school in the States, there were no morning programs. Granted, I was one of those kids who had to get up at five o'clock in the morning because in primary school, oh, God, I used to be so tired because we were bust an hour away because of how the system in the States worked. I didn't go um, to the closest primary school to me, elementary school, as we call it in the States. I went all the way out in the boondocks. And when I say the boondocks, I mean, literally on the way you saw less and less development. We were on the interstate driving, um, cows on the way. Like it was really out in the middle of nowhere. It was a nice school, but it was not in the middle of nowhere. But you know what? They told you, if you're in this area, this is a school that you go to. This is before they started to have all these, um, what do they call them now? Um, Oh God, what's the name for the charter schools and all that stuff that was way before that. Right. And so they would bus us all over the place and different people be bused in. And you just, you just went, you didn't really concern. You didn't really complain much about it. You just got there on time. And then if you missed the bus, which a couple of times I did, my aunt would have to get me to school and drive an entire hour to get me to school. So Lizette says the school gate should open at 7.30, not earlier than that. So she's in agreement with a policy. No worries, Alice. Aliano thinks it's confusing. We live in a small island and employ one of the most convoluted means to mitigate simple issues. <laughs> um, Aliano's like, there must be a simple solution to this. So Miss Sue says Savannah primary. Is Savannah on that list? Um, I don't know, but let me see. Is Savannah still laying kids early? Well, I suspect, um, Sue, that if the other schools have followed Sue, it's probably only a matter of time before red, um, before Savannah starts to do the exact same thing as well. And again, I'm a little bit confused about why some schools did it last year. Um, and now they're starting to like the other elementary schools. So based on what the information I've received, Georgetown primary, isn't Joanna Clark primary um, Savannah. So based on this, they're supposed to open at seven 30 as well. Good morning, Ling Ling. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a combination of things. Teachers probably don't want a responsibility and I'm not so sure that I blame them necessarily based on, like I said, we know of a situation where a school administrator, I think she was like a secretary or something, left two children unsupervised and that resulted in the sexual assault of one of their children. And you cannot assume that, oh, you only have to worry about that at the high school level. People sexually molest each other. Even younger than that. So he's only 11 years old. I mean, first of all, I still say that I do not know why we transition from no middle school. You go from primary school straight into high school at age, what, 10 or 11? There has to be a transitional period of middle school, even if it's just a couple of years. Even in the States, we had, I mean, I went to for year seven, a seventh grader, I went to a completely different school. You know, you don't mix middle-aged children with high school children. It's it's too much psychologically and emotionally, and it's just a bad idea. So I don't know whose brilliant idea that was back in the day to get rid of the middle school system, but I honestly think that this government should consider putting it back. You need that transition. And 10-year-olds mixing with, like, 16-year-olds or 15-year-olds or whatever— is never much of a good idea but even folks at the primary school level you have reasons to be concerned about the safety of your children and I would encourage all of you to not think just because my child is four and five years old that they're not a risk for sexual assault and other things happening to them not just sexual assault right Miss Amelia good morning how are you um, she says, being that school is uh, is the topic at Georgetown Primary, when they're selling foods for kids, they were able to purchase a variety of foods. Now that it's free, the choice of food is no longer available. The serving of food is very poor. Um, oh, sorry. The little bit of food they give children for the price it's at is a shame. We need police assistance in and around Georgetown Primary in the mornings and evenings People are parked in school zones or middle school should have never been taken away. Well, that we can definitely agree on. So this situation with the foods, um, I don't know um, how this works. And and I guess children are different. You know, I've, I've heard of parents before complaining that children are not getting enough to eat, like portion sizes. Now, I also know as Caribbean children, a lot of y'all are overfeeding your children. You're stretching the belly, okay? That's why they're fat. And you're giving them all the wrong foods. So portion control is something that a lot of children could learn. And maybe if they're not learning it at home, they could certainly learn a little bit about it at school. Well-balanced meals with portion control. Now, should your child be going to school so hungry that when they get a meal, that should fill them up to the point where like they're lethargic? and they're sitting down in school and falling asleep? I don't think so. I mean, that's not the point of a meal in any event. Like you shouldn't ever stuff yourself with a meal. And I think that a lot of us grew up believing that that's how you eat. And so that's how we handle children as well. Mm, Their little stomachs are not so big till y'all start to stretch them. So I have wondered about this before when I hear uh, parents complaining about portion sizes. I'm like, what are we really talking about here? Is this a portion size issue or is this an issue where they're so used to overeating, over gorging themselves that what they give them at schools would be considered a normal portion, but your child thinks that that's, you know, undersized because you're used to supersizing them. Sometimes I look at some of the things that people are feeding their children. This is why I laugh when y'all want to talk about COVID vaccines and, oh, no, I don't want anything. I don't know what's in it. I'm like, please. You're giving your children so much junk food and stuff that even though you might think you know what's in it or you might know what's in it, it's so incredibly unhealthy for your child. Your child is going to die of coronary issues, clogged arteries in their lifetime because of the eating habits that you have encouraged in them. So when did you become a health guru and concerned about what's in something, hot dogs and all kinds of foolishness for a regular meal? I'm just saying. So I wonder about Mr. Amelia's um, concerns about the food. Now, is it reasonable to expect that if you're getting something for free, and this this is where I honestly believe that nothing in life should be free. And I I hate to say it, but this is why. Now, I'm not saying just because you're getting something for free that you should have no standards and no expectations, but there has to be limitations, right? If the government... And I want this to segue into something that happened yesterday that I want to talk about with um, the minister of uh, the opposition. What's his name? He's not a minister. The opposition leader. Right. Because, of course, he had to jump in the whole Kenneth and bandwagon situation as well. And, um, you know, me, with these people, I'm just like, first of all, who is your ghostwriter for that? Because we know that you never wrote it yourself. I can get to that here in a second. But, you know, he's talking about how um, they want to give you this money for free. First of all, it's not free.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Nothing in life is truly free. Even these free meals are not free because somebody has to pay for it. And somebody, being the government, Means that at the end of the day, the people who actually contribute to this economy, paying taxes and licensing fees and whatever, we're the ones who ultimately pay for it. So it ain't free. Consider it in advance on something that we will pay for in some other form. Okay? So let's keep it there for a second. All right. So. You're getting a free meal. Should you have options? What were the options before? Like how many options were you getting? Two or three options for food? Should we be continuing that now that it's free? Now I can tell you, if the government is trying to absorb the cost of it, the direct cost, because indirectly we all pay for it, I believe that the options should be limited. This isn't a restaurant. This isn't a buffet style. And if they fix the menu, it's like when my daughter was going to Tiny Tots, they don't get any options. They fix the menu for the day. And if it's spaghetti today, everybody's eating spaghetti. That helps to cut down on costs. You're cooking one item for the day. Right? Now, if they present you with the menu and your child says, Oh, mommy, I don't want that this day and I don't want You can always opt out of the free meals, can you not? So take your children, whatever it is that they're going to eat. Now, some of y'all are really creating very picky children. Sometimes you just got to put something in front of a child and say, this is what it is, honey. This is the meal. If you want to eat it, if you don't want to eat it, we have no other options available. That's the reality um, sometimes of life. You don't always get an option, so I don't know how I feel about that. Like I don't, I don't know how I feel about you know giving children all these options for food. All right, now stick a pin. Let me see here. Now I want to see um, if I can show you all this video. Melinda. Good morning, Miss Darlene. Good morning, Miss Barbara. Loretta says, I believe in the middle school as well, but what can we the parents do to get this in place? Well, you can talk to this government. I believe that they're more reasonable. Although the education minister is the same person, she's under a new government as well. And I do believe that they are more reasonable to suggestions. So y'all need to be messaging the premier Messaging all of your representatives, all of your MPs and saying, you know what? Put the middle school system back in place. It was never, who, whose idea was it to remove it? It was never a good idea. I don't know why somebody thought that this was such a brilliant idea. Melinda says, um, having gone through sending my child, my son, from primary school into Clifton Hunter, um, seventh grade, I agree 110% separating middle school from the high school. It was just too much for that little boy. He literally grew up during one semester and sad, sad, sad that our children are forced to grow up that way. He did that year. And when she says grow up, this is what you call force ripening your children. It's just not, he probably wasn't and probably still isn't ready for that. And it's not good for their, their emotional, psychological and developmental health. And Ms. Sue agrees that it's too much for a lot of children. Jesse says, when I went to school, they would send out a menu for the month and you take it or leave it. Well, yes. I, I don't think that it's reasonable to expect um, all of these, uh, you know, choices. Shoot, even as an adult, a lot of times you have very few choices available to you. Uh, Patricia says hundred percent, Sandy, people need to be grateful and stop complaining. Damien says, I hope they don't serve powdered eggs and other artificial foods. Kalaloo grows wild or easy as an option. Well, hopefully, um, and again, I haven't seen the school menus, so I can't specifically speak to them, but hopefully the school menus are geared towards, um, being healthier than not. Right. And so all this powdered and pre-cooked and whatever stuff. Um, isn't normally healthy. And um, I'm hoping that they can consider, um, you know, some of the options available. Fresh eggs, if you're going to do breakfast. Miranda says, if my kids were still in school, I would not have them eating this low-cost junk to kill them, diabetes, heart attack, and more. And you know what is sad, Miranda? A lot of people, even in their own homes, that's what they're providing children. So Dana says, um, Truth for Youth has no issues, kindergarten to 12th grade, nor does Triple C. Well, they only have the one campus, but I wouldn't say that Truth for Youth has no issues, honey child, because they keep getting a failing mark. They got some big issues. If you listen to the um, the, what are they called? The school inspectors, they got a lot of issues, according to the school inspectors. Um. So another parent said that Red Bay Primary is the last school to change their time. Parents of Savannah Primary endured that, endured that in August of 2020 to recently. Uh, they'll be upset, but we'll adjust. Got to understand that these teachers' working hours is 8 to 4 with no lunch breaks. And so they are already being courteous coming in at 730. I used to complain about it until I actually understood the behind the scenes of it. So there's that. Uh, let me see what all the what other things parents are saying here. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Let's have a listen. We're going to change gears in a little bit here. Um, let's have a listen to what the um, leader, my apologies, what the leader of the opposition said. I'm going to actually grab some tea. I finally have my kettle back. Child, I didn't have a kettle. I've had two kettles now. Same exact model, maybe the same manufacturer, obviously. And they keep dying on me and I'm trying to figure out what is going on here. So this is now the third and I hope the final kettle for a while because the kettle shouldn't be lasting just a couple months, right? And so the the company um, sent a replacement one free of charge. But of course, you know, you are getting it from overseas. It's a real pain to get it here. And so I was able to get me some nice hot water this morning and child, I love me some hot water for more reasons than one. And I find like the faucet never gets hot enough for things like tea and stuff like that. You always have to boil it. So have a listen to this and then we're going to discuss it. I'm going to grab my tea and uh, we'll talk about this situation. And we're also going to have a regional person join us. We're going to talk a little bit about we haven't done a Caribbean connection Wednesday in quite some time. So we are going to talk about that here in a second as well. Um, So we'll have Mr. Famous joining us in a little bit. One other thing about schools. um, I haven't delved into this yet because I feel like this has to be a dedicated conversation. But we've recently seen some changes at the school, that school, um, the board, uh, what's the board called? But, you know, Mr. Dan Scott was on it, Woody Foster and some others. And they were starting to implement some stuff that I think was getting some real results. And now the board has changed and I'm hearing some rumblings that the concern is that the new board members are going to be seeking to reduce or or lower the standards by which children are going to be operating on, the schools are gonna be operating on. And as a result of that, uh, they will be able to claim that the children are achieving higher scores but it's not that they're achieving higher scores it's that the standard has been lowered. And that's a concern. I need to dig a little bit more into that folks before we have that conversation, because that's very concerning. If that is what is going to be happening, I would be very perturbed by that. In fact, but let's get back. So this is now, let me introduce this video. This folks is, um, the opposition leader, right? um who oh gosh it seems like um this is the opposition leader who wanted to have his say on the whole misstep with kenneth so of course you know the opposition just waiting they're they're in the bushes uh in the darkness just lurking around and waiting for an opportunity such as this and unfortunately um the poor choice of words has given them an opportunity to have something to say they claim they've been so busy but only god knows about that but here we go
4: my fellow Caymanians. yesterday as reported by the Cayman compass minister of tourism the honorable kenneth bryan on a local morning to- radio talk show shamelessly revealed that the government's plan to cut the tourism stipend from $1,500 per month to $750 per month starting in November was a scare tactic on his part to try to get displaced tourism workers to start looking for jobs. In other words, he and the Pact government were playing games with the public. Minister Bryant acknowledged that, quote, the stipend originally had been put in place to protect and provide financial aid to people who were left without work when the borders closed last year." And he added that the political negativity from the announced cut forced him to pull his hand because the truth is he intended to give them the $1,500 in November and December. Now this is an incredulous admission from the Tourism Minister. The Minister and his government have seemingly committed a cruel hoax on Caymanians who found themselves needing assistance during the global pandemic through no fault of their own. No different to the many hundreds of Caymanians who received other forms of COVID-19 related assistance from the government, including access to free quarantine facilities. The announcement by the Pact government of their intended cut to the tourism stipend caused many Caymanian stipend recipients unnecessary added stress and concern as to how they would manage their financial affairs after October in the run-up to the Christmas holidays. I know because my colleagues and I in the opposition heard their valid concerns firsthand. I suspect that Minister Bryan and his Pact colleagues heard from them as well. And so, as the minister has confessed, the political negativity from it forced his hand. The minister is attempting to make us believe that his government never really intended to cut the stipend, that it was a mere trick to get the stipend recipients who he thought would refuse to work once tourism returned to find work. Now we in the opposition have greater faith in our people than that. We know that if work is available, then the vast majority of displaced tourism workers would prefer to be employed. We also know that the $1,500 stipend is small compared to what most of our displaced tourism workers, including tour operators and taxi drivers, earned monthly from tourism. Let's consider the government's stated intent regarding the tourism stipend. A May 5th press release from the government noted, I quote, Minister Bryan confirmed that the stipend payment would be re-evaluated once the time frame for safe border reopening was established, end quote. On July 6th, the Keman Compass reported that the minister announced that the $1,500 monthly stipend would be reduced to $750 from November in part to incentive.
3: Oh Lord, can we just stop the nonsense right there folks? I mean, to be honest. I didn't listen to the whole thing the first time. And I kind of am refusing to listen to the whole thing again, because this is all about um, politics. And here's the bottom line, folks. I don't expect any different of this opposition, I guess, or any other opposition. Yes, they're always looking for an opportunity. A slip up for them to try to score some brownie points. All right. Um, I'm not sure who you're scoring any brownie points from. What I want to know is who do you think is his ghostwriter? Do you think Alden actually wrote that? Because I think most people don't believe that he wrote that. But anyway, I digress. Um, so here's the thing, right? Um, the the minister has already said, listen, that was a poor choice of words. Uh, again, if you listen to actually what he said. And so this opposition leader, Mr. Matt Taggart is relying upon, um, you know, a constant... Um, Oh, the compass, the compass. Look at how many times he mentioned the compass and that little thing. So obviously he's only reading the compass for his source of information. Um, so, you know, OK, the compass said this, the compass said that, according to a compass article, OK. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It was a poor choice of words. The point is, um, with all due respect, Mr. Opposition Leader, in my opinion, if you believe that there will be no issues getting people back to work who've been on the stipend, that means that you are not as well-informed as you think. We're not trying to say that it's everybody but we're trying to say that it's a challenge. And to the minister's point, as he shared, there are some thousand people who are on the stipend. Remember, this is $6 million a month now that we're spending on this. There are some thousand people who have refused to even get registered with works. A thousand people who were in tourism, who were getting the stipend, who have demonstrated folks that they don't care to even get registered no sir help me understand this because i'm confused okay um the facts really are not in my opinion ones that um Can be disputed. So again, I think this is much ado about nothing. The minister said, "Mm, "I could have used a different choice of words. I didn't mean a scare tactic in the way that people are taking it. It was more of a wake-up call, right? And the reality of it is, we're going to reopen our borders, whether it's October the fourteenth or whatever timeline." The borders will be reopened at some point, and those people have to get back to their normalcy, their, their work. And I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. They've now been receiving the stipend for over a year. There are people who are saying to me, even Quincy said on yesterday's program, listen, that $1,500 a month stipend money is more money that I was receiving working. I was getting up, having to put on my best face, do all the stuff, work, and I wasn't even getting that. So let me ask you a question. For someone like Quincy, I don't know if Quincy has registered. He's not in Cayman at the moment and I'm sure he's still getting his stipend money. Um, I don't know if he's registered to work or not, but when it's time to get back and go to work, what do you think is gonna be going through someone like Quincy's head? And I don't know how many ambassadors we have at the airport, but I'm sure all the ambassadors are getting the money going, hold on a second. I can get $1,500 from government for doing nothing. And now you want to tell me to go back to work um and make less than that why would i want to do that that doesn't even make any logical sense granted the ambassadors of the airport are only working part-time so they might have to find a second job to augment that income but then again they're thinking so two jobs to try to make what i can get from government for not working at all y'all need to have it make sense because it don't make no sense so um, someone says, Miranda says, wow, I was thinking there was a bromance between Roy and Wayne, um, or is this a game? There's there's no bromance between them. I wouldn't go that far. I think, you know, they all have relationships, and politics is, can make funny bedfellows. I mean, listen, we saw what the PAC government had to do in order to form the government. Um, in terms of McKeever, they had to bite their tongue on working with him. But the alternative was, you know, they were not willing to um, allow this government who the people have said, the people voted majority independence. They were not willing to allow this government to finagle their way back in again. Uh, Sometimes, unfortunately, this is what it has to be. You have to work with people who under normal circumstances, you know, you may not be willing to work with. At least they put something in place, some stipulations in place. The previous government didn't do any of that. And then they turned around and said, oh yeah, we don't want to work with him either. Listen, they play a lot of games, Miranda. There, there are a lot of games being played. They feel like it's their job to highlight any little issues that the um, government may or may not have. So what I would say uh, in terms of this situation is the premier has issued uh, a statement about what was really transpiring that came out. um, I feel like what is today, by the way, Wednesday. So that came out late last night from his office um, at 935. And this is in direct response, no doubt, to, um, the message from the minister of the opposition. So the premier said in short, I'm just gonna read it, we'll put it up on the website later, that the PAC government is just reiterating that it's plans to continue the COVID-19 tourism worker stipend until it is no longer needed as addressed in the government strategic policy statement. And it reiterated many times by the premier, um, the Honorable uh, G. Wayne Panton. Mr. Panton in addressing remarks, made by tourism minister, the Honorable Kenneth Bryan, on Monday morning talk show said that the minister had got caught up in the moment of being on the radio and fielding questions from callers. And he's quoted then, the the premier, as saying, our minister of tourism is doing a great job in taking care of our people within the industry. His indication that the stipend was to be reduced to incentivize people to get jobs was a misstep. He was seeking to express his desire to both support tourism workers and motivate them to seek ways to help themselves. He is a human being uh, who, like all of us, will occasionally be a little less than perfect. Child opposition should know all about that. Speaking of which, uh, um, when they were misstepping and saying um, CPR tests instead of PCR tests from their health minister, you didn't see the opposition of the day then jumping on that and making a whole video about it. You know, they are playing politics here. Um, Mr. Panton pointed out that his comments made during his winding up speech after the strategic policy statement was represented in parliament in July. So, again, they're saying, go and look at the consistent statements that we have been making. And this was obvious then. Just a little, you know, the wrong words really were expressed. Our aim with the current COVID-19 tourism worker stipend is to continue... Um, aid until it is no longer needed, and our intention is that the tourism industry will be back up and running in time for our traditional high season in November, which is when we plan to taper the stipend payments, with the idea being that displaced Caymanians will be back at work at this time doing what they love and taking advantage of those opportunities. Mr. Panton said that the PAC government has every intention of ensuring that those in the tourism industry are taken care of until the industry gets back at its feet, but confirms that government will be tapering off the stipend payments as the industry regrows. The PAC government has done more to promote and protect the interests of people um, of this country in four months than the previous administration did in the last four years. Just as we are monitoring the uptake in the COVID vaccine, Um, We're also monitoring the hiring and placement of tourism workers and other jobs. And at some point, the stipend will no longer be needed. Until then, those in the tourism sector who are uh, without work can depend on the government to continue providing support. Folks, I ain't got nothing else to say about this. It is what it is. Um, The stipend will stop uh, at the end of the day. It is what it is. Um, Yes, there are things that need to be fixed. I would love to hear from Works and what they're doing to assist with the situation, because again, they're working in tandem with the tourism minister and the tourism industry to try to fix this hot mess of a situation. Mr. Famous, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We haven't seen you in a minute. How are you? you Missed me? Yes, of course. Why are you all masked up today? What's uh, going on? Airport. airport. <laughs> yes.
1: That's the regulations.
3: We got mandates at airports. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been a minute that we haven't had a Caribbean Connection uh, Wednesday segment. And of course, there's always stuff you know going on around the region. So give us a little recap of what's happening in your neck of the woods, how things are going um, in terms of COVID. And uh, we'll talk about you sent me a number of headlines here from all over the world. It looks like most Caribbean countries, and we, we covered this as well, uh, most Caribbean countries will actually be mandating vaccination for visitors in some form or another is that the general trend that you're seeing around the region
1: um yes uh good morning to my apologies good morning Cayman Islands Grand Cayman Little Cayman and Cayman Vax um I'm, I'm wearing a mask because I'm actually in the airport and I can't take this off so sorry if I sound muffled but I, I have to mm-hmm. follow the rules yeah, Yes, around the region, I, I just came from uh, last week, I ran on a conference in Dominica, not Dominican Republic, Dominica, mm-hmm. and um, uh, St. Lucia, yes. Um, right now, they are not requiring uh, that persons are vaccinated to enter. or they got to have the TA form, so on and so forth. Um, in those countries, the vaccination rates are very low, maybe scratching 25%. And in St. Lucia, they have, um, basically they have corn, uh, uh, coffee every night from, from 1 a.m. During the weekends, they have coffee from 1 p.m. Um, in Dominica, there's no coffee, but they have some restrictions in place. And our um, infection rate is pretty high. But more more specific to our region, the OTS territories, um, Turks and Caters has just mandated as of September the 1st, which is today, that all visitors, any visitors that are allowing them, are those that are, are vaccinated. Um, and Gorilla, uh, as of July the 1st, have mandated that any visitors that are allowing them, are vaccinated. Um, so you see a trend going on in the smaller islands, um, and again, Cayman Islands is still leading the region in cause of vaccination rate, I think we all are above 70% at this point. The Bermuda's at roughly 65, 67%, but we have uh, a rise in Delta um, infection. We we lost someone yesterday, which made 34 uh, deaths with COVID in the last 18 months. Um, In Virgin Islands, they have their infection rate down a bit, but their vaccination rate is still very low. Mm. Um, Where else? Touching cases are about 65%. Montserrat, which is in the Eastern Caribbean,
3: with mm-hmm. a population
1: of 5,000 persons, their, their vaccination rate is still like 30%. So. But they're, they're not big on tourism. So. Um, what, what I would say to the people of the Islands is, A, is clap yourselves to be the leaders in the overseas territories. Mm-hmm. But B, don't be complacent because come next month, if, you, if and when you're your borders, the infection rates will go up. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. There's simply no doubt. Um, yes, this this um, this slide here. If you could go back to the first slide for me. Mm-hmm. That that's a comparative chart of all the overseas territories in this region, and as you can see, Cayman Islands is the leader. Um, under under each each island, it shows the mandates that are going on. It, um, I'm sure you'll share, share it on your website later on. Um, but in some islands, there are still a and are the curfew. and Cuts and Cakes the perfume. In Virgin Islands, is there's a Um Montserrat, I'm not too sure. I started to get information out of Montserrat. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to the next slide, mm-hmm. Okay, in the BVI, they only have access to AstraZeneca and a lot of persons were hesitant to use AstraZeneca. So, what the government... Oh <laughs> what, the, what the government of the DDI and USDI uh, agreed on is that um, persons can travel from the DDI to the USDI to get such a Pfizer. Now, if any a ferry ride, there's basically It it, it takes a sort of imagine a ferry ride from yesterday to to Costa. That's that's the distance between the two islands, right? So a lot of young persons, especially, went over from uh, Portola to Saint John to get, in order to get the, um, in order to get the Pfizer. So approximately so far, maybe 300 persons have gone. That the flies of sharks. So that's the DVI. Um people go to the next slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I say, attracting cakers as of um as of today are uh, you know basically they're saying if you're not vaccinated, don't come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and for the and for the locals that are not vaccinated, they can't stop them from coming back uh, then, obviously, but they have to Sorry, they have to quarantine for seven years. Mm-hmm. And as, you, as I said earlier, so, in Bermuda, so you know, he lost another person last night. Um, then yeah, as you can see through the dashboard, we um, have yeah, 205 active cases. We have 79 new cases over the last week. And that's, that's all, and um, of those cases, 78%, that's what say, 80% are uh, tested and uh, contained contain without a variant. So that tells you how, how um, infectious or contagious without a variant actually is. So, I, again, I say to the people of King Island that uh, once you be open up to uh, it, do it. This is what you should expect to uh, as, as many as possible. to mm-hmm. get the flies because in the DDI they don't have access to flies because mm-hmm. of um, logistics of flying and the flies and this and the other. Um, so um, you know you have it right there. at your disposal, no matter whatever, whatever you know. People have different opinions and you know, but reality is is coming that's Mm. the reality
3: yes and we we know that it's already here because we've had visitors infected with it um, who have Mm -hmm. tested positive for it so um, you know i guess the general sense is um mr famous that you know countries around the region are trying to reopen um whilst at the same time ensuring the safety of their people at this particular time it appears that the best way to do that is to encourage people um, to get vaccinated as many people as possible. Um, there's some, you know, degree of vaccine hesitancy even in this country. We have mm-hmm. people even on the government radio station. They've been entertaining people who are anti who it on, on,
1: on radio, Cayman. Yes. Yes. Mr. O'Connor, Mr. O, O'Connor's allowing that.
3: Um, it's um the midday show, so it's um Sterling. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I heard that they were on the other day, saying that God doesn't want you to get vaccinated. Um, so they're using the religious element now to encourage people to not get vaccinated. And I yes. think it's so incredibly interesting.
1: Uh, this is this is where I keep coming back. To, right? You all have fast food franchises in in the islands, right? Yes. I I I want people to take some educated view and go stand outside of any fast food entry, uh, fast food um, franchise and ask persons hey are you are you vaccinated what's your thoughts just ask them what's the thoughts on vaccination and for the and you know at least five at least twenty five percent are gonna say no 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 but you're walking inside to buy something that's more likely to kill you in the long run than a vaccine ever would.
4: Right.
1: You know, so this is this is the thing that he, as as a region, we are in trouble because um, you know out, outside the overseas territories, wow. vaccination rates are at best are hovering around 25%. At uh-huh. best. And people are just adamant they're not taking the vaccine. Mm. I mean I le- I just left the neutral on Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, they just got added to the CDC level list, It mm. means the government of America advising people not to travel to same Louis. Yes. Now, whether people take this advice or not is up to them. But the fact that, you know, the the, the most influential country in the world is telling people, hey, don't go to this island. Mm. that That's going to force people to, some people to cancel reservations. Some people to say, Hey, let's look at Dan somewhere else. And Bermuda and just got added to level three yesterday. Level three, that means like one, we're like one step away from America telling people, hey, don't travel to Bermuda. Wow. It's crazy.
3: And I must say that um, someone had sent me some footage. I'm just trying to see if I can pull this up of um, the situation in Jamaica where, oh. you know, people are in the hospitals. Um, I mean, it's, it's shocking to see people lined up in the corridors of the hospital with nowhere to go, um, you know, potentially just sitting there dying, they, they were running out of oxygen over the weekend, um, there has been a, a real increase every single 24 hours in their numbers. To the point where it's just so incredibly um you know sad to see what is happening in that country and a large part of it is because people are simply not taking counsel from the authorities there they were not listening to the government um and now that they find themselves in an extremely you know dire situation
1: they're having a it?
3: rethink of it i'm going to show you what um i'm trying to find the picture of them actually in the hospital, in the hallway of the hospital. But in the meantime, let me show you this video that has been making the rounds on social media. And this is them now lined up around the block trying to take the vaccine. Have a look at this. This is yours. Lined up.
0: I don't know how far
3: they at
1: hot sundown, up, to get the vaccine background music now this is people lining up for the vaccine at the national arena amazing i am sure 50% of these people were the ones saying they're not interested but with so many deaths now, so many new cases. That even when there is a boys and girls championship, you don't have so many people at the gate trying to enter the stadium <coughs> complex. But this is good sign. This is a good sign. So, uh,
3: Mr. Famous, um, you know, some indications there that, that some people in Jamaica are finally realizing um, that if they don't wake up, you know, this this is what their life is going to be. Um, stuck well, in a hospital and, and potentially dead.
1: Unfortunately, let's, okay, let's see as Frank Right, the majority of people in the Caribbean are people of color, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Marcus Garvey, right, honorable Marcus Garvey, mm-hmm. prophesies to say, uh, you know, black people is not going know themselves until the backs up against the wall. Uh, that could be applied in many different ways, but mm-hmm. the point is, when you only for, for many people, only when you see and know somebody who's died or somebody who's suffering, is when you realize, like, oh, my God, And let me, let me sort myself out, right? Um, mm-hmm. Part of the uh, rush in Jamaica, if I want to put it that way, is that Jamaica had received maybe a few hundred thousand doses of of the Pfizer vaccine, something that actually in the overseas territories have had access to since July, or, i mean, sorry, January. Um, so you have this mindset oh, you're not going to take the Moderna, you're not going to take AstraZeneca, you're going to take Pfizer. So, how many people have died taking more Pfizer? Right? Uh, I mean, I'm here I'm to see numbers are going up, but it's too late for many people. It's too, mm-hmm. too many people. It's just too late. The, the hospital system in yeah, Jamaica is as collected. Right? The, the mm-hmm. point where they the running out of hospitals. That's, that's reminiscent of what we saw in yeah. India. Mm-hmm. You have the um, opposition leader, Mark Honorable Mark Fielding, telling the government you have to know me to the point of mandating that any, any vaccinated visitors come into Jamaica. Because mm-hmm. let's think about it. Jamaica normally sees anywhere in the area of like 2 million visitors. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just say even 5% of those may be, um, positive, right? You're talking yeah. about 60,000 people per year coming, um, service, right? That's, that's bond mm-hmm. to just continue a level of outbreak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, this this is reality which we And you know, you're gonna have people like DG point on telling people, Oh, don't take your of it, oh take oh, voc vaccine." But <laughs> oh, BG can't go home So we have to do that. Yeah, so I'm gonna show is-
3: you guys a, a picture here. I did find it. Um this is a hospital. In uh, Portmore, Um, let me just get you the details of this. So, folks, this is um, in Portmore, Jamaica. Uh, This is the current situation. So people are sick and there's no hospital rooms. There's nothing available for them. They are literally uh, just in the hallway. I mean, this is so incredibly sad, but this is what is going to happen as countries continue to struggle with trying to deal with COVID cases, because, you know, people are refusing to get vaccinated, they're catching the vaccine. Unfortunately, they're the ones who are taking up hospital beds and spaces in the hospital for treatment. And then you have other people, some of these people may or may not be COVID patients. But the bottom line is there are no beds for them. So they, you know, they've got a mattress if, if they some of them don't even have a mattress. Um, and they're sleeping in the hallway like this. I mean, this is horrible to see.
1: Ask it, 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 yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't take much for Bermuda's hospital to get overwhelmed. Not necessarily yeah. people sleeping on the hallways, but at one point we had 30 persons in the hospital in the ICU. 30. Um, I know in, in Cayman Islands, you have the, um, you have the, hello, somebody, whole deal. In mm-hmm. Cayman Islands, you have the, um, you have two hospitals. You have your main hospital in mm-hmm. um, Georgetown and you have Health City way right out in um, East Ham. East Ham right. or Toronto?
3: And we, we have, um, a do- yeah, we have doctor's hospital. We have the government hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. We have Doctor's Hospital and then we have Health City, um, which has some beds as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. So you have, you know, some contingencies, but again, it goes back to this. When you open your borders. that is October or November, Mm -hmm. unless you mandate that any vaccinated person can come here, even then you still run a risk, uh, let's be real. When you open your borders and you have tens of thousands of visitors coming to Cayman Island, the infection rates will go up. There's, there's, there's no ifs or buts. It's, it's just a matter of how you mitig- how much you can mitigate it, down to less than you end up having people. But you know um yeah you know, then then the other the other challenge that all countries are now facing is back to school uh we're gonna, in Bermuda you know we we have suggested that students have to wear a mask while in class and you have some parents upset blah 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 but if you look at the trends in America, um, a lot of children are, are, are passing COVID on their parents going to other children, right? And yeah. um, uh, we've already had, in private, we have private schools that started up um, a little earlier than the government schools. And in private schools, we've already had fewer cases in the last week. Mm-hmm. This is the reality we're facing. Right. Um, some parents are like, "Oh, well, I want my child just stay here and do remote learning. I don't want them around other children. Blah blah blah. You know, it's it's, it's scary. But we have to, we have to face it. We have to, you yeah, know, be smart about it, and and you yeah, know, stop the screaming because God, go God don't want to take him. So what? God don't want to get in an ambulance. you get in the car for a car station.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: God, when people have a heart attack, right? And then the hospital, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Nobody's asking the doctors, hey, what's that in that stuff you're putting in? Nobody's asking that. They just want us to walk, right? That's where we're at. But, you know, in, in, in brighter news, um, not everything is all jury and jury in overseas territories or the Caribbean. Um, I've, I've been to... I said in the last couple of weeks, I've been to several islands, and it's like they're to these islands. are people want to come to our region. They love us. We're the most friendliest people in the world. Well, at least to visitors. Maybe not to each other. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, I'm about to jump on this plane, so I, I I also want to thank you for the opportunity yes, once again. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank what did this person say? Um, Lady McLaughlin. Yes, That's that delicious. was Sue.
3: Um, she said she was referring to a comment made earlier by somebody else. Um, but oh, thank okay. you so much, Mr. Famous. Safe travels. Um, all right,
1: thank you. Love and, you all in uh, Cayman Islands, Cayman, Little Cayman, Cayman Brack, and Grand thank Cayman.
3: You. We appreciate hey, it.
1: Hey, can anyone fed me some peppers? <laughs> I mean food from peppers, not <laughs> not peppers. Oh my goodness. I need some I need some uh food from peppers. Uh, tartuga rum cake, um, coconut lime, coconut and lime key, and also, what's um, he? Oh, Tartuga rum too.
3: He's got his. Uh, he's got his list of goodies from K-Man that he'd like. Yeah. All right, my dear. Thank you. We really, right. really, really um, appreciate Thank it. you. Okay,
1: All right. my dear. All right. All right, Bobo and TDs. Thank you. All right.
3: All right. So thanks again um, to Mr. Famous. He's an MP in Bermuda. He is traveling today. So it was a little bit difficult, I know, to hear him with the mask on, but listen, folks, that's going to be a reality Um, returning to mask wearing, social distancing, maybe even a reduction in people allowed in public. Um, And this will happen more and more as we move closer to reopening. And of course, as people refuse to get vaccinated, um, the government will still think your refusal to get vaccinated doesn't mean that the country is going to never reopen because we don't get that vaccination number up to 80%. Unfortunately, what it means is that in addition to that, they will have to put some uh, more stringent restrictions in place um, otherwise. So, um, you know, I think that that's that's certainly something to to keep in mind. Um, That's all I can tell you is that's unfortunately going to be our reality. So, folks, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow is what, Thursday? Yes. My gosh, that week is just flying by. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow um, with more here on the Cohort Truth. We have a number of topics lined up. Now, did you guys see yesterday that there was a significant uh, situation going on there in Savannah where the Water Authority was working hard overtime trying to find a leak? Look at how much water was being wasted, how do they know that there's a leak and a pipe on a government road? I was kind of thinking about this. Um, Was it because it was impacting residents in the area? I'm not really 100% sure. But have a look at this, folks. This was quite interesting. Right, folks. So we'll try to find out if they ever did find the leak. I mean, you can see the water is just gushing right there. And um, of course they tearing up multiple spots in the roads, uh, trying to find that leak. They never seem to fix them back just right if you know what I mean, right? I guess it takes the NRA um, a minute to try to get back there and fix the road properly. You know, when the water authorities and looking for leak, they just dig it up. They dig it up very well. <laughs> and then in terms of fixing it, it's a little bit of a patch job for a minute. Uh, We'll find out who's responsible for that. I have so many questions for the NRA. I know that they're going to be joining us um, hopefully soon on the program to explain some of their roles, like the things they're responsible for, and some of the things that we think they're responsible for, but they're actually not. I think it's important to know the difference. Anyway, folks, Finance Committee is actually in session today. We're going to live stream that um, a little bit later on for you guys. I think it's important for people to start doing things like paying attention to um, you know, finance committee hearings so that you know exactly what's going on, where your money's being sent, spent, folks. It's in the details of a lot of what's happening um, in terms of the finance committee meetings. So um, you know, we're gonna air that for you. I think they're gonna be getting started closer to 10, 1030. So we'll put that on. Um, Industrial Park, Irvin said is a mess. She wants to know, uh, how is that going to be fixed? So we'll try to get some of these um, answers for you. Vanessa, I see your question, and it is a very interesting one. And I've actually been getting it a lot from people. And um, I think we could probably find some time on tomorrow's program to discuss that. Because it is, it is a very, very interesting thing. And a lot of people do say that the host of that program um, is an anti-vaxxer. And I think maybe we need to have a a chat with him. Maybe we can invite him on the show to give what his position is. I'm not really sure. We'll send the invitation and we'll see what happens, right? All right, folks. Um, Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in as usual, making this your number one morning hotspot, your number one show in the Cayman Islands, without a doubt. We appreciate the love and support. Uh, We are hopeful that soon... Once the borders reopen, folks, there's a lot that's going to be going on. And one of the great things that will happen is engineers can come in and get some work done because right now they're like, "Mm." even with five days, we're not coming in to do two, three days worth of work. Like it just doesn't make any business sense. So as soon as the borders reopen, a couple of radio stations are going to be popping up some new stations. And one is going to be a community-based station. And um, the idea is for CMR to have a presence on that uh, platform. So that you guys can listen on the radio as well, we're so excited about that.
1: Hmm.
3: Wonderful. All right, good folks. Uh, please enjoy the rest of your day. As I always say, go out there, earn your coins legitimately, work hard. Uh, when you work for something, you know people just can't come and take it from you. You gotta, you gotta know that there is pride that comes in having purpose. Uh, a lot of people think that there's pride and that comes with handouts in life, and I can tell you that's nothing prideful. Half the time, you're trying to hide that you're getting a handout from someone. But when you have a purpose and you're able to earn your coins and do what you got to do, there's so much pride that you can take in your own work. Uh, Do have a beautiful day, my good people. And I'll see you here tomorrow morning, bright and early at about 7.20. Thank
0: you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.